0: Ephesians 5, 3 through 16 is our word today. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is light. Thank you uh, that it's going to fill us today, that it's uh, going to meet us where we are, and uh, just help us to, to lock eyes with you, Lord. In your name we pray
1: amen well you can go ahead and, and have a seat today. Hey we're glad that you are at church project. Uh, if you do not have a Bible we have Bibles that are close to you uh, next to you underneath the chair or over on the lamps on, on one of your sides but uh, we need to have this Bible in front of us today. Thank you Chad for reading that passage of what we're going to go through. this is a this is a big passage today. I don't know if you guys have pre-read the passage or not but what we do is, at church project is we go through, Um, verse by verse, we do, it's called expository teaching, and so from the very beginning, we've been going through Ephesians, and now we get to this incredible passage right here in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're actually going to do verses 3 through 14, uh, so we'll end a couple verses earlier than what Chad read, but today's going to be a thick, thick message today. Today's one of those messages where uh, I hope you have your big boy pants on uh, because God is bringing the heat today and it's going to be a powerful message and I hope that all of us here are listening and our hearts are ready. Whether you came for church for the very first time, God will show himself to you. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Um, or you've been coming a thousand times to church. Uh, if, you, if you're ready, God will speak to your heart and he'll show you how much he loves you today. That's a promise. And so when we hit passages like this, these thick hard passages, know that at the end of this, there's a big smile, and there's a big God that's loving you and loving me, saying regardless of what we have done or haven't done, God's grace and His love is flowing over every single one of us. So I hope that all of us hear that today. Um, if To kind of recap a little bit of Ephesians and what we've been through, last week we talked about um, walking in love as a, as a church, as a church body. Paul writes Ephesians, and he writes it in house arrest in Rome, and he's writing it to the church of Ephesus. And so in the context of Ephesians, think of this. Paul, a dude that was pretty awesome in the Christian faith, loved God, and he's writing a letter from prison. He's about to die giving this gospel message to us, and the church, he's writing it to us, believers already. So the context of this message and the context of this letter is from Paul to Christians. So he's writing it to us today, and what we're going to talk about in in these verses between 3 and 14 is about Christians, his church, walking in light. Walking in light. Not walking in death and not walking in darkness, but walking in light. I don't know if your eyes are better uh, illuminated during the day or at night, but at night I trip all over the place. And so I'm very excited to hear what it means to walk in light. So I'm just jumping in. We already read through it, and this is going to be a good uh, message today. So if, if you look at it right in verse 3, what does it say? But sexual immorality, sorry you came to church, and yes, you heard about sex today. You're going to continue to hear about sex today. I'm for it. I like it. Let's talk about it, okay? So verse 3, but sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints, I want us to pause on a couple things. I am not going to be able to cover everything that God is showing and what Paul is teaching in these verses. I hope that throughout the week, we individually are grabbing the Bible and letting the Holy Spirit teach us. But I want to highlight a couple things that really jumped out at me that I think God has for us as his church body. So as we read verse 3, we get past that big word. And then we get down to these two words that can easily be overlooked. And I wanna, I wanna ask us today not to overlook these words. And those two words are among you. Among you must not even be named. All this stuff must not even be named among you. And what is Paul saying when he's saying among you? He is using, this is an inclusion language. You belong to me. I belong to you. We are the body of Christ moving together. And as Paul writes this letter to his church, he's saying, hey, church, at large, among you, all of us, there must not be a hint of any of this thing. Among you, you are a body, not an individual. Together, it's us moving together. Us, we, his people, his body, his family. But some of us, quite honestly, we're not together. We're, we're not together. It's not, you're, you're not among us. Like, you may even come on Sunday mornings, and you may go, this was great, but beyond that, there's nothing else. It takes commitment. It takes priority to live as a body, among us, part of us, moving together. Here's a good Lippmann's test. To whether just this is a simple one. I'm sure we can come up with a lot of them, but here's a good Littman's test. To kind of kind of gauge whether you're part and among the body of Christ and an active part of what God is doing. And here it is. How many homes could you drive to today? Of each other. That's a great littman's test. If you know, okay, I know where they live, I know where they live. You know what that means? We've been to their homes. We went, we opened up the refrigerator, we got our soda, whatever. We sat on their couch, like, that's a great littman's test. How many homes could we go to amongst each other? If we are a family, that's pretty basic, even to know where each other lives. Paul has given us this language. He's saying, listen, among you, be a, be a church that's moving together. Don't just sneak in. And some of us, we think the church starts at 10, 15. No, nah, no, nah, it really does start at 10. So you can, you can come a little early and talk and all that stuff. But be here. We miss you. We need you here. We need to move together as a body of Christ. Don't be afraid to become among us. There's strength in the body of Christ. It's beautiful. We need each other to move together. So let's look at verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named, or in the NIV it says, not even a hint of it, among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthfulness or foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this: that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous—that is, an idolater—has no inheritance in uh, in the kingdom of God of Christ and God. These verses three through six, we get to one of these power-packed words that really brings up a lot of emotion when this word comes up in conversations wherever we go. Throughout our days. And this word, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but it's immoral. And we're talking about morality. Try this this week. Enter into a conversation with someone and just ask them, hey, what do you base your morality on? That's going to be a good conversation, right? Like we we come across this word right here, immorality, and who are you to define morality? Is what some people will say. Who are you to define morality? We live in a day and age where relativity, you do what you feel is right for you, is popular. That's hogwash. Can I say hogwash? I wanted to say that. I just wanted to say hogwash. That's hogwash. Relativity, where you do whatever you want, it's good for you, it's good for me, we just kind of do our own thing. What's the base of morality? It's hogwash. Here at Church Project, as Christians, we hold the Bible in high regard. Like what God says, his word, like this drives our actions, our thoughts, and this is the basis of our morality right here. As a man, I am finite, I am limited, I am sinful, I am a created being as a man. The infinite creator sets the standards for what is moral and what is right, not me, because If you get me today, I might be in a good mood, but tomorrow those morals may change because I'm in a bad mood Like the infinite creator has already said what is right. What is wrong? He's already said it And for me to do it a, a finite man to do it It's like saying a lesser being is setting a lesser standard of morality I want to say that again By basing our morality off of anything other than god and god's word It's like saying a lesser being is setting a lesser standard of morality When we amend, and when we change, and when we tweak the morality God has set, we say we are more moral than God, and immoral beings are setting the basis for morality. So when God teaches church, we sit up and we listen. We say, God, what are you saying? And you're only saying one thing. Your word only teaches one thing, and so our our job is to accurately look at Scripture and say, God, what are you teaching us in this text? It's not, well, I hear this, and and I think it says this. It's not that. God is teaching us truth. And in this passage, one of the things that he's talking about is sex. God, an infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful, made us sexual beings. Did you know that? He made us sexual beauty beings. The beauty of God's morality is he created us in his image. That's called Imago Dei. We are created in God's image. And why did he create sex for us? Well, he created it for two very, very good reasons. One is to procreate. Pat your, pat your, pat your shoulder right there. All right, you're, you're the result of procreation. All right, very good. <laughs> and sometimes he won't even allow that. And sometimes we don't know why. We don't know why we're not able to procreate. But we have to trust God even in those moments. We have to trust God that he's got a plan for our life. We've walked through some of these as a body of Christ and church project already saying, you know, I, we can't procreate and we don't know why. But I've seen, I've seen beautiful ha- things happen when God moves. Right, Perman's? So he creates sex One of the reasons he creates Is to procreate The other thing he creates sex for Is for tenderness and intimacy Between Listen up A husband and a wife Tenderness intimacy Between a husband and a wife God is saying This is how you should live Within my r- morality And what I'm teaching you And what I'm showing you right here I will decide And he's looking at all of us He's saying I will decide What you will be male or female, I will decide that, what you will be. And this is how you should function within this sexuality. Sex is to be expressed and enjoyed between a male and female relationship only in the covenant, the covenant of marriage. And to go anything beyond that is to go into our own little realms of playing with what God has already set up for us. We can choose another way. It's our choice. Sure, we can do whatever we want. But don't call it a moral decision. Don't call it something that's in line with the word of God when we're living apart from what God has said. God designed and decided to give us sex. And it's good. Amen? Amen. (laughs) We limit its goodness, though, when we redefine the application of it. By lesser standards than what God has already set up in His word, Paul takes it even a little further, and you can look earlier here in this chapter, and what he says he says don 't even have a hint of anything that is, is outside of what is acceptable behavior. Why do we stay away from committing adultery or?" Why do we stay away from pornography, or why do we stay away from these things? Some, some of us, it may be because we just don't want to be caught. Like, I don't know the consequences of being caught. I want to I stay away from that, and, and I just have to say, that can't be our reasoning. It can't be our reasoning. Look at the scripture. Let's look at what God says. Why do we stay away from this stuff? It's because those are improper for God's holy people. Those are improper for God's holy people. Look at verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. These are the standards for God's people. Here's the deal, though. Remember, Paul's writing to Christians as he's writing this, and he's saying, expecting people to live in this way that are not God's people not part of his church is saying that they can do it under their own power and their own strength, which simply is not true. Like only by God's strength and power for his people can people live according to his standards that he's set up for us. These are some good verses, aren't they? Galatians 5 9 talks about yeast talks about just a little bit of yeast when it gets in can ruin an entire batch of dough. And when we begin to stray from what God has for us, it messes everything up. Well, I looked up this sexual immorality, I looked it up in the Greek, and, and, oh, oh, surprise, guess what, sexual immorality, guess what the Greek word for it is? Pornea. Pornea, various kinds of unsanctioned intercourse. What do you think, Pornia leads to in our modern day language, pornography, and Paul is writing his church, he's encouraging us, by the way, I don't know what God is doing in your spirit and in your mind right now, but keep in mind, we started saying, God loves you. No matter where we're at, no matter what our actions have been or hasn't been, His grace washes over us, and He loves us. So if God is working in your heart and in your mind right now, pay attention. Just say, God, speak to me. I want to learn who I am in you and how much you love me. So we start talking about this sexual stuff. We start talking about sexual immorality, and a a couple verses come to mind. Jude 7.7. Jude 7.7 says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities which... Likewise, indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires, served as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire because of their actions. First Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality. Flee from it. Flee. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. First Thessalonians 4.3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. I'll only give us one more. I mean, we could go for a while here. First Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. I can't tell you how many coffees I've had with people being a, a pastor the last 15 years how many emails i've gotten how many late night phone calls i got with someone that did not flee from sexual activity and it's heartbreaking what god will do it's it's heartbreaking what happens in your life it's not proper for god's people but yet we thank god for his grace thank God for his love. Think of an Old Testament story, and you can think of Jacob in Genesis. If you know this story, Jacob in Genesis, what does he do? He ran from it. He fled. He ran for his life when Potiphar's wife came after him, Joseph. He ran for his wife. And he, some of us, we need to do that in our life. Like, especially in this area of sexual immorality, we need to run for our life because Satan is coming after us. He wants to kill us. He wants to destroy us. And a little bit of yeast can, can take the whole dough and mess it up. So some of us, we may need to go back to the old school flip phone, right? Some of us, we may need to get away from a laptop. We need to go put it on a desktop so it's there in public so everyone can see it. Some of us, we, there's nothing worth keeping yourself or putting yourself in a situation where there is a hint of immorality. It will grow it will destroy you and I. A little hint of it in your life will overcome you. And we cannot play with this. Paul is writing his church. He's given us these powerful things. He's talking about sexual morality. of course, is something that I've kind of focused on here. But there's all sorts of other things here. He's talking about your speech and, and how you talk. This is not how Jesus lived talking coarsely and and the things that are happening here. This is not how Jesus lived, sexually or with his speech. Some of us, though, even with our speech, maybe that's the thing that God's kind of showing us today. Maybe our words are words that we have to just whisper in the background, and we'd be kind of embarrassed if other people heard our words in the way that we spoke. We don't want anyone to hear it. I would encourage us, church, Work at taking it out of your mind altogether. And the path to that goal is to remove it from your speech. Because it's improper for God's people to live, act, talk in such manners. Let's get back to the place where God has set and expectation for us he says i love you and here's how i expect you to live as as a church and as a person and as a child of a king when we fall and we don't meet god's standards we repent and we accept his grace and get back to living a life that is proper for god's people it's freedom that's freedom the other stuff is bondage the other stuff is the stuff that carries you down and, you, and keeps you awake at night and keeps you just feeling ick. It's a word, look it up, ick. Huh. Look at verse 5. For you may be sure of this, that doesn't leave any room for doubt, does it? You may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, Or who is covetousness that is an idolater has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. You can be sure no inheritance is in the kingdom of God with these things in our life. Paul refutes the idea that would later permeate Gnostic thought that the soul is somehow insulated from the actions of the body. And this teaching permeated all throughout the time when Paul was teaching, and even today, we have Gnostic thought that our soul is somehow insulated from the actions of the body. It says, in these things, you have no inheritance. Is that scary? It's a little scary, huh? When I I read these, it's a little scary. But here's where I get a little confused. Do you get a little confused in this as well? Because just earlier in Ephesians, though, it talks about, you know, the Holy Spirit sealing us and, and guaranteeing our salvation. And at times, at times, I, I'm, I'm just not that pure of thought. At times, I fail. At times, I sin. At times, I do these things. And so, is, is Paul really saying, if I do these things, then, then there's no kingdom in me? And, but what about this whole, the Holy Spirit seals me? And what's going on here? So, do I have an inheritance? And it's a question you may be asking those of us that are living a life of sin, it's evidence that there has not been a transformation in our hearts and in our minds. You know, when we continually lust for more things of the flesh, who are we worshiping? Are we worshiping God or are we worshiping the flesh and us and our evil desires? <laughs> Fear the wrath of God is coming upon us if we worship the flesh and we don't worship God yes there is this thing called God and yes there is wrath that comes down on people that have not surrendered and have not living a life according to the standards that he sets up but yes and this is where church you get to smile and yes this is where it comes in I have this 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 person, God, and I have it in the flesh called Jesus, and we have Jesus who will stand between me and the wrath of God for the sin in my life. Because I have Jesus, I have been rescued, and I have been redeemed from these actions that I have committed and will continue com- to commit the rest of my life. Jesus stands between me and a God of wrath, and the only thing that God sees when He sees me is the blood of Jesus washing over all the. sins. Sins in my life, and this wonderful word, word called grace washes over, and Jesus smiles at us, and God smiles at us and says, I love you. Amen. But if all you do is worship the flesh and the lust, there will be no kingdom for you. You are not worshiping the God of the Bible. You are worshiping the God of self. Get to verse six and seven. Let no one deceive you with empty words. (laughs) Let no one deceive me with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become um, partners with them. In verse 6, it says, let no one deceive you with empty words. Universalism is another thing that's rampant today in, in our society and everywhere we go, these conversations, and it's this. Universalism says, go enjoy your life of sin because there will be no wrath of God poured out on you, which again is not true. And I like that word, hogwash. It's a good word. Study the scriptures for yourself. Church, study the scriptures for yourself. Know what God is saying. That's why we go verse by verse, is so that we learn how to study this. So when Satan comes and he tries to kill you and to steal steal life out of you and to deceive you, that you'll know what God says because you've put the word of God in your heart. The world speaks a lot of empty and dead words. And Paul is writing his church and he's saying, hey, Don't let the world deceive you because what they say is freedom. Go do whatever you want. It's really bondage. I have freedom for you. I have love. I have grace for you. Will you lock eyes with me? Some of us today, we just need to lock eyes with Jesus. (laughs) We need to find our identity and who he is and how he says to live our life. Not in universalism, not in Gnosticism, not in what the world is saying, but in the, the morality and the life and the love of Jesus found in his holy word. Verse 7 says, do not become partners with them. Now, be careful, church. Don't take this, don't take this too far, okay? Don't take this first too far. They are not our enemies. We just, we just don't participate with them in the evil things that they're doing. Because if we look and we want to model our life after the life of Jesus, what did Jesus do? He just told us in the verses before, imitate God, like do as God did. So what did Jesus do as he walked in this world? Jesus hung out with the sinful world. Just don't do what they are doing. It doesn't mean go hide up in the mountains and just stay away from him. So don't take this out of context. Jesus loved the people that needed to be loved and went to places where no one else would go and hung out with the people that were hurting Let's us let's us do this, just not do what they are doing. I think of a lot of our ministry partnerships that we have, locally, and even globally. One of them is Youth for Christ, and I see Ryan and Trina sitting over here. Directing Youth for Christ, loving students that some of us would be scared to be around. Quite honestly, we would lock our car, we would we would hide our wallets, whatever. They're loving these students. Do you pray for youth for Christ? I hope you're praying for youth for Christ. Because they're walking, they're imitating Jesus in this world. Thank you guys for doing that. It's time for us to imitate Jesus, church. (laughs) Nothing else, okay? It's really pretty simple. Let's imitate Jesus. He has told us to imitate him. Also, he has empowered us to do so. Awesome, and he expects us to do so as a member of his body. Now, I'm going to fly through these next eight, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I'm, I'm going to fly through this next part, okay? Thirteen and fourteen. Because I trust that when you sit with this word later on today and in your house churches, that God will continue to heal you and love you and show you beautiful things about who you are. I want to highlight a, f- a few things, though. In verse eight, it says, for at one time you, what, what does your Bible say? Work. At one time, you what? Were, were, bye bye, bye bye, darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. You have light, not darkness, because of the Lord. Walk as children of the light. John 8:12 says, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk, walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. Matthew 5:14 says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Follow me. Model your life after me. It is going to be light. It's not going to be darkness. And the world will sit up and they will notice. And it will be beautiful. For the fruit, in verse 9, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Do do you notice a shift here that happened in verse 8? Like, the first part was like, eh, it's heavy. Then we get to verse 8, and it's like, amen, amen, amen. This is the gospel message. This is hope. This is life. And this is where we get to sit up, and we get to just start getting a little excited about this. It's okay. You can get a little excited about this, all right? It can smile. Let your face know that this is a good message. Smile on this one, okay? It says, look it, you were in darkness, now you're a children of the light, you walk in the children of the light. We get uh, verse 9, it says, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Man, that feels good, doesn't it? We get to verse 10, it says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Find out is what that means. If you look at in the, in the uh, Greek, it says, it literally means this, testing out and approving. Testing out and approving. And, and I love what one commentarian said on this. And the commentarian was Kenneth e. Bowl, L. Bowles and says this. This word right here, try out, okay? I won't even try to pronounce it because I'll mess it up. But in the Greek means this. This word was used in secular Greek for soldiers who were tested in battle and precious metals that were provided to be genuine and valuable. And as a child, growing from infancy to maturity, we should be motivated less and less by the necessity of doing what is demanded while wanting more and more to do what is pleasing to the Father, so when Paul's writing, he's saying, you're a children of the light. Don't follow Jesus because he commands you. Just do it, do it, do it, do it. And as you mature and as we, and God continues to sanctify us and we begin to mature in who he is, it moves from this thing of, I'm doing it because I'm told to do it to now I'm doing it because I love to do it and I love walking in the way of the light of Jesus Christ. For his way is freedom, the rest is bondage and sin. Get to Verse 14. How many songs have we sang here in Church Project? And it says, Awake, my soul. Awake. I'm no longer a bondage to sin. I am set free. This is why we stand up, and this is why we sing. Because all of us, this verse, this passage we just went through, we're all guilty of this stuff. It's only by the blood of Jesus that washes over us this grace, this love message That we can stand up, and we can shout out, and we can pray, and we can sing. Verse 14, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. These are all the verses we're covering today. I really tempered it back. I usually have four pages of notes. I had eight today. I skipped a lot. But I feel if we get this message right here awake, oh sleeper, like awake, that bondage, that sin, that stuff we have done and will do, God has said, I've covered that, keep your eye focused on me, don't partake of that stuff, because it will take us out, I want to ask us, who do you have around you in your life right now? That loves you enough to ask you the hard questions like, hey bro, excuse me, ma'am. Are you living a life that is upright according to the morality and the strip and the scripture and the life of Jesus Christ? Or are you letting your life slip just a little bit in this area? You know, you clicked through one more time to that link or you let your eyes wander a little too long or your words, they were just vulgar or they weren't uplifting or whatever this stuff that Paul has been teaching us in this passage and the ones before. Do we have people in our life that love us enough to say, hey, listen, you're out of bounds. Come back, come back. Because he says, we are a body of Christ. He says, we, this is how we should live because it's the right thing to do. And he says, among you, church, there should not even be a hint of this. So let's encourage each other to love and good deeds. Let's speak life to each other. And when we mess up, let's be quick to forgive each other. And let's be quick to remind each other that life is found only when we're locking eyes with the person of Jesus Christ who we're walking in his grace and his love for us in our life. Amen? It's about enough for me today. I need a drink. I'm going to start jumping around, so we'll stop. I, though, am going to invite us uh, to just reflect on this. So if you're comfortable with it, just, cl- just close your Bible. I want to remind us of something that I said when we, when we began. It's usually after hard passages like this that I get the email or I get the coffee conversation or I get something where someone says, you talked only about law, you didn't talk about grace, I'm feeling guilty, like blah, and, and, and starts just whipping me. The good news is I can just go, well, it's the Bible, sorry. Sorry if I didn't explain it the way that, that I could have. I wish it would have been more of a, a loving message. I, I, don't, I don't know where you're sitting right now. But quite honestly, what I found is, is some of those conversations that I have tomorrow morning and Tuesday is nothing short of the Holy Spirit moving in your heart and in your mind right now, maybe convicting you, showing you things that you can change to be more like Jesus because he loves you and you don't know what to do with it. So you call me and you take it out on me. That's fine. Let's talk. That's, that's great. But I hope you hear the, the message in it today. The message is this. Are we living a life that models that of Jesus Christ? And we're doing it as his body, as we show the world what light looks like, what freedom looks like. I'm gonna ask you to reflect on this now, so if you're comfortable with it, hold out your hands in front of you, just in a form of submission, saying, God, it's about you, not about me. Close your eyes and and just say, God, wow, what a powerful passage. Would you please speak to me today? Show me who you are. And maybe right now I'm feeling a little just, I don't know. But would you show me who I am in you? Because I really need to hear that. I need to hear that you love me. I really need to hear that. I really need to hear that you forgive me of that thing. So church, I would say now would be a great time if there's something that God is just showing you in your heart or in your mind that doesn't line up with the ways that he says to live. Now would be a great time just to put that in your hands and say, God, take this from me. The guilt, the shame, every part of it, take it, wipe it clean. You say you will, God. I can't carry this anymore. Please forgive me of this thing. It's yours. This weight's too heavy for me to carry. And so here, God, please take it. And church, the beautiful thing about this gospel message is Jesus says, I do take it. I crush it up. I throw it away. It's forgotten. Now, will you forgive yourself of that? And will you keep locking your eyes with me and chase after me? Some of us today, we're breaking bondages right now. We're getting set free today, literally in this moment, because we're giving God that trash. (laughs) The beautiful part about this message is that it continues. He says, I'll take that thing, that action, and yeah, I'll throw it away and I'll forget about it, but I do something even better than that. I fill you with my love. I fill you with my spirit. I fill you with my hope. I fill you with joy. I fill you with peace. Like I fill you with me. Not the empty words of the world, but of my life, my words, my eternal words. So I'm not sure where you sit in this place today, but here's the deal. God loves you. He wants all of you. Are you holding any part of yourself back from him? If so, I say why. It's going to be bondage. It's going to be hell. Give control of your life to Jesus today. Say, God, here it is, my life, all of it, everything. Nothing excluded. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your guidance, your morals that you've set up in your word that shows us and teaches us how to live. Thank you for that, God. And I give you everything. When we know how much God loves us, there's only a few ways that I know how to respond. And one of those is worshiping God. And we can grasp how much he loves us and how much he's done and forgiven for us. That's why we sing praises to God. That's why we spend so much time saying, Awake, my soul! Awake, my soul! So in this place right now, I'm going to invite you, if you would, to stand up. If you have a child in Project Kids... Can go and retrieve them quickly and quietly and come back And let's worship God together in this place Say, God, thank you for taking that trash Crashing it up, throwing it away And filling me with your freedom Filling me with your hope Filling me with your hope and your love God, you've done that for us And because of that, we praise you So church, let's stand Continue worshiping him Saying, God, it's about you, not about us